the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of Planted. I'm Sarah Pine, your host, and today we have the director of Ladybuds, C.J. Russo, in the house today. Um, she is an award-winning short film director who that has had films screened all over the world, including the Sundance Film Festival, and has been broadcasted on Showtime, PBS, IFC, Logo, and Netflix. She is a 2018 fellow of the Sundance Institute Women in Film Financing Initiative, with Ladybuds, and is also fellow of the Film Independence Director and Screenwriters Labs with her project directed by Dorothy Arzner. Notable film credits include A Woman Reported, About the Moments Before a Hate Crime Occurs, Size Em Up, A Coming of Age Story, Straight Down the Aisle, Confessions of Lesbian Bridesmaids. She's the winner of the Outfest Best Short Documentary Award for its poignant view on marriage, non-equality, pre-Prop 8, which was a weird time, and numerous music videos. After receiving two art degrees in photography, a BFA from the University of Buffalo, and MFA from the Visual Studies Workshop in Rochester, New York, so you also know what a hard winter is. <laughs> CJ moved to Hollywood and worked for Kodak for 15 years as a post-production supervisor on over 15 feature films. Russo is an exhibited fine art photographer with recent group shows in Los Angeles, West Hollywood, and Beverly Hills. She has dedicated the last four years to producing and directing Ladybuds, her first feature film, which had its world premiere at Hot Docs 2021. Welcome, CJ. I am so glad to have you here. Sarah, thank you so much for inviting me to uh, talk with you today. I'm, I'm honored to be on the show. I am just so excited that we got here, because like when we were talking earlier, <laughs> the last time we spoke, you were in the thick of it. I was. That was a few years ago. Um, I was producing a couple of different cannabis uh, videos for different companies uh, while I was making the film, and I think uh, that's when we met. And yeah. man, it's it's been a long journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah, you spent a day with me talking about CBD. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I love CBD. It was so cool to learn about those products um, and and to do that shoot. But yeah, it was great to meet you. That was in Los Angeles a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so much fun. That was a good time. Um, let's back it up even more. So question I always <laughs> ask my guests, what was your first experience with cannabis? Wow. Um, man, I've had a relationship with cannabis for a very long time. Uh, when I was 14 was when I first tried cannabis. I was in high school. And it's so interesting to, to reflect on this. I had gone to Catholic school for nine years. And you can imagine, you know, the culture of being in Catholic school. So um, when I went to high school, it was a public school. And, you know, kind of like a whole new world opened up to me. And um, I just kind of gravitated to a group of people that were very um, creative and um sort of felt, you know, like a little bit like outliers. And I was just really excited to smoke weed and try it, you know. So I remember uh, I was in, at high school. I went to Blindbrook High School in Rybrook, New York. And I just um, hooked up with a bunch of kids that we went out, we went out the back of, the, of, you know, the school, down a path, you know, and, and lit up a joint. And um, it was my first time. And, it, you know, I don't exactly remember how I felt, but I was excited to try it. It was 
you know, I think, you know, it was relaxing. I always kind of felt like a little bit like a fish out of water um, at school. I've always kind of felt like I, you know, one of the outsiders myself. So I think I gravitated to, you know, a community of, of kids that were exploring drugs and were really into music. And, you know, I was into the Grateful Dead. And, and so um, trying cannabis, you know, in high school really opened um, a world of, you know, a new world of, of, of music appreciation, of creativity, and of community, you know, uh, finding community in a group of kids that were like outcasts and, and um, you know, just finding finding ways to have fun in the suburbs, right, back, yeah. back in the day, <laughs> right? So, you know, we, we, would, we would just sit around and listen to it. To, to music at the time, it was like Zeppelin, Van Halen, and classic rock, you know. But but yeah, no, it it was I was I was really excited to try cannabis, and I think for me, um, it really helped me feel kind of accepted. It it gave me a a, a body experience that made me relax and um, just kind of like opened the doorways to new creativity as well. I was in a band in high school, and you know it was it was. Um, it was a lot of fun back then. I use it differently now, um, but back then it was more very much recreational and like kind of to escape a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to think back on those early days. For yeah, sure. oh, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, like how how differently we used it back then. Because I know, like for me, being a yeah, I, I'm going to totally date myself, but being a teenager <laughs> in the '80s, <laughs> it's like oh, I'm with you on that. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it just really I, I just remember like at the time just finding that it, there was this thing of acceptance and finding my group and listening to music and trying it. And, it, you know, I, I always looked at it as recreational, but I think like, I don't know, I the teenage years like I have a niece that's just starting to go through them right now. And I would just look at her and I'm like, honey. Yeah, I don't want to be you. It's going to be a hard time. Hormones are a very powerful thing, and you're going to have right, some angsty right. moments. So I, it's like even right. though it was recreational, I think in some ways for me it was like creating the balance because I didn't realize until I tried it then. And 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 for you listeners out there, I'm not condoning youth use of cannabis. It's just we do what we do at a certain age. Um, but it helped me understand that I actually had anxiety. I didn't realize it then. And, right. you know, now it's like, it's, it's interesting because it's like, I, I still like to get high, but I use it for so many other, other things just to create sure. balance. And I wish we would have been able to have more conversations about that back then. Although I don't know if teen Sarah would have listened to that. I, I think I just wanted to listen to minor threat. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't want to listen to anybody when we were 14, 15, 16, right? We were just on our own journey of discovery. And, um, you know, I, I, I had a tough um, family life at the time as well. And I, when I say I, I use it to escape, that's true as well. And I, I definitely use it differently now. But but it also, um, it enhanced so much for me. Um, and it, it really was, it was fun to be you know, following the Grateful Dead up and down the East Coast and being a part of that community where cannabis is, is very central yeah. to, to bringing people together around music and, um, 
I don't know, camaraderie in a way. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. It's been really, um, well, as you know, my husband was a member of Further and like working in cannabis and having the support of that amazing community has been really, really lovely because it's a really Mm -hmm. wonderful group of people who love music and a lot of them Mm -hmm. really love cannabis and just, you know kind kind creative folks it's a it's a great group to to be with i guess i would say <laughs> yeah and i think that you know safe about it once you find your community um and that's a part of it as well um yeah. because i think canada really brings out for me it brings out it honestly brings out my true self in a way i've been realizing that lately um I'm so much more who I am uh, when I'm when I'm you know on cannabis. Um, I don't know if it's an inner child thing or if it's just my true authentic self, but there's something beautiful about cannabis and um, really um, just bringing out you know the, the truth of of who who a person who a person is. Obviously, depends on the cannabis and the dosage amount and all that stuff. But but I find that for me, you know, I'm I'm a microdoser and I. You know, you have to find your 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 the right flower, the right product. But um, you know, I really I really am starting to realize that I'm, I'm kind of more myself when I'm when I'm a little high. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. So. I mean, especially if I I don't know if if you deal with this, but I know that for myself, I deal with anxiety. And in the past, you know, from like twenties to thirties, I would was an occasional cannabis user, but I would use it you know, after work, after hours, more like for stress management and just to chill out. Mm -hmm. But now that, you know, I I started using it regularly when I was going through cancer and then working, starting to work in cannabis, you know, using Mm -hmm. things daily. It's, it helped, it helped my communication because I realized how much I was hindered by a lot of my anxiety and kind of seeing like certain behaviors that weren't like authentic to my, my true self that were out of the way when you have the right combinations, you know, like I love, I've been really digging on a CBD CBG combo because it it helps Mm -hmm. me with my ADD. Mm, Okay. It's been, yeah. And it's great to land on what you you know like there's so many different things products out there right now that you know one of one of the benefits of legalization is that you can find consistency within a product usually that i think it really is really helpful for wellness yeah applications oh absolutely absolutely i just one of the things that i want to make sure and this is and this is something that you know your documentary also talks about is like that some of the the smaller more craft businesses are able to mm-hmm. survive because they have some of the most creative beautiful products that are really effective for people yeah and what i learned you know in making the documentary is the heart and soul of the people that are really passionate about the plant and what they're doing with it is really beautiful right so i i've always um wanted to support, you know, small businesses, small farmers, you know, organic food. I'm, you know, I, I, I feel like where you spend your money is a political act and I definitely like to keep it local and support, you know, women entrepreneurs and just, you know, smaller sort of businesses. And, um, you know, it's, and it's those 
types of people that are really making special products. You know, they really are putting a lot of love and care <clears throat> and pride uh, into into their into their gardens, um, into their formulations, whatever it is. You know, if it's salve or if it's flower or if it's you know some, something else, it's it's um, you can you you know I like to support that. You can really you can really sense that there's a lot of care being put into that. And then I, I hope that people really do look at uh, the cannabis they're buying, the products they're buying, and think about where it comes from. I mean, I think we're at this moment with legalization where people are needing to be educated about who's making them, where it's coming from, where's the money going, et cetera, which is part of the reason why um, I was inspired to, to make the film because, you know, these big businesses that are coming coming into the space are just creating – you know, these products that are, you know, assembly lines sometimes and, uh, you know, not really helping our local communities or um, the, the economy uh, wh- where we are. So my hope is that the film um, gets people to think about that and also see, you know, as, as you can see in the film, you know, the, that women are the backbone of this industry. And, and, and I wanted to honor the people that really laid the groundwork for for what we have for the legal industry we have today so yeah and going into the documentary so you you talked about part of your inspiration what what really got you to say let's do this and how did you and and you have a you have a a great group of people that you've interviewed how did you identify who you wanted to work with on this well, it was a little bit of a process. Um, you know, as a filmmaker and as an artist, I'm usually led by my curiosity and to, to learn and to know more. And back in 2016, when Prop 64 was on the ballot in California, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I, I just, I was like, wow, this is really going to change things in California. This is going to change the way people think about cannabis. This is um, going to change the economy. You know, it was exciting, right? I didn't know. I mean, I read the proposition, and I read all the propositions, you know, but I didn't really know, like, you know, what was going to happen. But I could, you know, everybody was excited. Oh, cannabis is going legal. This is a good thing, right? So I started to dig into the, <clears throat> the media around it, and I was really pleasantly surprised to see so many women entrepreneurs stepping up and, and, and being vocal and talking about cannabis. And... I was really impressed. I was like, wow, I had always thought this was, you know, a, an industry dominated by men, honestly, like, you know, every other industry, but this industry itself is very, like, bro-centric, and, and to see these women stepping up and coming out of the shadows to tell their stories, just at, you know, um, different women in cannabis networking events that I, I started to go to, I was just really drawn in uh, to, to who these women were and their stories, so I started interviewing women i you know i i was i was at a crossroads of what i was going to do next as a filmmaker i was actually potentially going to be going on to to to, uh, produce and direct a a, a scripted feature film but 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 as a documentary you know you need to raise money for any kind of film you're you're going to make but with a documentary you can kind of just start shooting you know so i just started to um, interview women in the space, and I interviewed so many women, so many amazing women at farmer cannabis farmers markets and at these networking events. And, and I was just like, wow, there's something really interesting here. This 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 field is really dominated by women, and it's really cool. 
I want to dig in more. So I started to get invited to their cannabis farms up north in Mendocino and Humboldt. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I've been smoking weed my entire life. When you get invited to a cannabis farm, you have to say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. So, so I packed up the car with camping gear and camera gear and went up north for a couple of weeks and just interviewed a lot of women in the space. And ultimately over a hundred people I've interviewed for this film. And then, you know, I had to really think about what I was doing because it couldn't just be, you know, a feature film just with interviews, you know, storytelling, you need an arc, you need, you know, drama, you need conflict. What, what, what was this going to be about? So for me, uh, it's really important uh, to highlight um, diverse voices. Um, you know, as a queer filmmaker, I think it's really important to give people voice that don't usually get it. People on the margins, people of color, queer people, women, you know, so I wanted it to be, uh, you know, have these, have have a diverse um, range of voices. So that's how I kind of chose, you know, um, the specific women. And I also wanted women to be represented, like, in the farming, you know, area of cannabis, in the entrepreneurship, in the activists. Because, as you know, cannabis, cannabis touches so many different um, people, cultures, um, you know, uh, issues. And so it's such a big topic. And I needed to kind of hone it in a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, I was just so inspired by telling some of these women's stories. And then, you know, uh, with one of my producers, Christian Bruno and, 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 and Michael Katz, we, we talked about how to frame the film. And we decided to film one year leading up to legalization in California and then the one year following in the lives of these women to see how they would fare against, you know, all of these big businesses coming in. And everybody was so optimistic at the beginning and excited and we had no idea what was going to be around the corner but the camera was rolling the whole time so it turned into it just turned into the story of legalization in california through the lens of these women and it's kind of a story that not a lot of people are telling because it's the real story of yeah. you know the operators that have been in space for a long time so that's kind of a long-winded answer but that's that's kind of the inspiration and how the film kind of got got off and got started on uh, into well, production. And for for not planning it, you sure had a hell of an arc in the documentary. <laughs> um, once I was like in it, right, right. Once I was in it, you know, I'm the kind of person that I finish what I start. You know, a lot of people just keep filming and they don't really finish, right? So, But I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to be filming for hours and traveling up and down the, the state and not kind of complete this, this film. So, um, yeah, we just, we just, found ways to keep going we applied for grants we had crowdsourcing campaigns and um and i had a great team with me you know a, a great very small team of people that were so dedicated to working on the project and um we just kept going and then you know eventually um you know i had four different editors on this film you know and each one chipped away at the story we had the end of the day we had 500 hours of footage wow so this could have this story could have gone so many different ways you know but but um you know i just just wanted to sort of represent the voices of these strong courageous women uh to tell their stories and show the side of legalization that is actually the reality of of uh, what's what's going on in california you know um yeah 
Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, for people who are in states where they're starting to put together policy or policy has, they've just started their programs. California is a really good example of, there are, there are some things that we did right, um, that I feel like are kind of more in the 215 phase of our, you know, of our cycle. And then you see all the things that we we messed up on. We have a lot of work to do. And that was one of the things that, because um, I was one of the co-chairs of the San Francisco Legalization Task Force when 64 was on mm. the ballot. Yeah. And we were, you know, talking about the fact of we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We should be looking at what other states did and how they succeeded and how they failed. But like we, right. we do, we we don't learn from our mistakes and and i feel like a policy by and large even when we look at you know throughout the nation cuz all these states in themselves have their own very individualized cultures which i think a lot of people is like when you think about it when you go to visit you get it but you don't really think about it when you think about us as a cohesive country it's like these policies are based a lot on state culture which is really strong and stigma and so now we're seeing, you know, people who were able to survive for, you know, decades on their work in cannabis, not having businesses and just all the the craziness that's happening. And the fact that a lot of people were driven back to the traditional market, which is what we were trying to we, we're, we were right. trying to make it so people wouldn't get incarcerated anymore. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, the film is a little bit of a cautionary tale and can, um, um, you know, inspire conversations, hopefully, across the country and other states of, of, of po- with policymakers to, to see, you know, exactly what did work in California, what didn't work. Um, it could have been done a different way. You know, you and I know that. Yeah. Um, we had a working model in place uh, with the medical uh, cannabis um, <clears throat> business model uh, that was just prior to 64, and it would have been nice to have carried that over a little bit, you know. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot deep in policy. I'm not a policy expert, but I do know just seeing the repercussions uh, and what's happening that there could have been, it could have been structured quite differently with the taxes and with the regulations and you know, letting the, you know, the one acre cap, leaving the one acre cap in, in the proposition, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think in so many ways, like, you know, people will talk about, you know, we never should have passed it, but, and this is just my opinion. I feel like the longer we waited, the more greedy fingers would have already been in the pie creating policy and we were going to have to fix it no matter what we did. But the thing that makes me yeah. really sad about it is, and you know, I, I guess I can also say that in some ways it's like I have the privilege of living in my lovely Bay Area bubble where, you know, right. I, I started working in cannabis in the Castro where we just would joke that we were a bunch of nerdy queerdos. <laughs> selling cannabis, <laughs> educating people, you know, but I I always, especially with the way, you know, medicinal cannabis came about, I've always looked at cannabis is more focused 
you know, the the roots of it focused in queer culture and female culture, and especially because like, you got to do a documentary at a time where we were at a really pivotal point in in the movement in the industry where it was dominated by women and it was very rare and there were just such like working with you know the women in their companies and their products and just like how soulful and healing and wonderful everything was and how radically it's changing where we're not seeing we're seeing female focused companies really struggling to make ends meet and we're seeing the patterns of our patriarchal society being like, okay, we're going to turn this back into a bro fest. And what can we do to, to change that? I mean, there's, there's, there's what you said, which is really important, voting with your wallet, purchasing, you know, from, from companies that you believe in. But I'm also wondering what else we can do to, to help uplift, you know, women in the industry and, and continue the female focus so that we can have some really, not to say that men can't be thoughtful and soulful and, and healers in themselves because we all know wonderful men who are, but this was a really interesting, it was, it was a change in the way we could do business and look at business and be compassionate and give to the community without, you know, while still being sustainable as companies and just having a very community oriented, soulful experience. And I know I just ran on, <laughs> but what are, well, you, what are your I, thoughts, I, CJ? No, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with the sentiment completely, but I feel like education is key and storytelling, which is where, you know, I come in to, you know, create this film that, you know, what I'm finding when I'm sitting in the theater with audiences is really resonating. And so I think it's super important to have us document, you know, the history of the pioneers uh, in in the space, you know, in, in any industry, you know, and to to um, to honor them. You know, Ladybugs has a has a shines the light on, you know, the queer cannabis history that happened with uh, Dennis Perone and Scott Imler and Brownie Mary and, and all the folks, you know, and the Castro that really pushed medical marijuana um, legalization to the forefront. And I think that, you know, to my surprise, like, I didn't even know about that history. So I was thrilled to learn it, but I was also like, oh, my God, how could I not know this? So I, I felt a responsibility to include it in the film. And I think that, you know, the more people you know, learn about the history and are educated about, you know, who who are, um, you know, the people in the space that, you know, they want to support. And, and through the art of storytelling, you know, you can change hearts and minds, you know, like, I feel like I have been dedicated to telling stories that are, you know, not so mainstream, but in a way that, you know, can reach a broad audience and have the mainstream think about these things a little bit differently. So I think that, you know, artists and storytellers and, you know, really have a, really have the ability to reach people. And and for me, creating this film, Ladybugs, I wanted to have universal themes that people could relate to. So, you know, to to draw them into the story, themes about family, themes about elders, themes about business that, you know, just about anybody can relate to. And I think that is important. Um, 
you know, to be able to tell these stories and, and capture and document the history so that future generations and our kids and, you know, whomever comes after us, you know, will we'll, we'll know about the history and we'll be educated. And I think that's ultimately the way people will change their way of looking at things. And hopefully, my hope is that they will pivot and support the small farmers, the, the smaller businesses, the women entrepreneurs. I mean, we we have to fight for our place at the table every day, you know, as a business person. You know, so I think the more we can educate and support, um, the more people will hopefully think about it. And um, and then they will support. Yeah. Watching. It's a battle. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I was, it, it certainly is. It, it's like yeah, anytime, anytime I get on the phone with somebody who's working in cannabis, you you hear it in their voices, and it's like, "How you doing? Yeah. Is it Dark Night of the Soul week? Yep, let's sit and talk about it." <laughs> I know it's sad. It's sad. I've I've witnessed so many, you know, people that have now become good friends in the cannabis industry that are struggling. Um, it is. It's. it's 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 a difficult moment right now for a lot of businesses. It is. And it's, you know, watching the documentary this week past weekend, I was really I mean, I I've 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 heard, you know, a lot of stories as well, but like for people who don't understand what people are going through and you know, every time somebody asks me, they're like, I think I wanna get into cannabis, you know, let me can you can you give me some advice? And I always just kinda wanna chuckle and be like, Bless your heart. You got to love it. You got to love it. But it was really something to see, you know, the struggles that everybody went through, but also their perseverance and their love of what they do. And especially like with the Bud sisters and just in the beginning, like just how excited they were about what they were doing and all their plans. And it made me just so incredibly sad when they, you know, they had to drop their license and they were, you know, in that greenhouse talking about how they just have a few plants and then, you know, having to, after running your business for so many years, having to go, you know, work for somebody else, which isn't a bad thing, but it's a hard thing when you're a person of a certain mindset and, and, and drive, you know, to make that shift. Yeah, of course. Um, it, they they definitely for me represented the OGs that have been uh, you know passionately cultivating cannabis off the grid in the hills um, and making medicine for people who needed it. I mean the heart, their hearts are so big, the butt sisters and and um, and they are a generation you know that has have been cultivating for decades that. You know, they just uh, with this with this new regulation, with the new legalization uh, regulations, just couldn't really afford to, you know, make their farm compliant. You know, off in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah. so it is it is sad. Um, but I do hope that the film is also inspiring in a way because these women are really passionately fighting to make their dreams come true. I mean, they, they've been in the industry for decades. They deserve a piece of the American dream that everybody wants. The they sure of do. The American dream. Yeah. And it's like, it's their 
it's their industry. So, you know, people like Sue Taylor and Tia Rodriguez and Karen Wagner, they, they fought, fought, fought to, to, to succeed. And I hope that, you know, the film does resonate to, to women, young women, all kinds of people that, you know, if you are passionate about something to not give up and if you believe in it, you know, um, keep keep working at your dreams keep trying to make them come true yeah well you see that you see the drive you see the passion you know it's like it, it you know there were there times where I really felt for them and felt very sad when things didn't go but you could also see the fact that these are very smart driven women with big hearts and they're really working to make things happen so I do like I, of course, I'm just speaking from my perspective, but I really did see that message of hope that you were putting out there. But I also just saw a lot of like, we have we have a lot to work on. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't understand, and gosh, I know I'm going to sound like a Debbie Downer saying this, but is just the sheer amount of suicides of farmers because of not being able to do to run businesses that they've run for decades. Yeah, I just started to hear about that, and that is really horrific to be hearing about. Um, I just think that when you try so hard and you believe so hard, and it's just the system is set up against you, and it's just really, it's it's a tough road. Um, you it, know, it is. It really is. And we, and I think the important thing is like having documentarians like you who are highlighting, you know, what's going on, the joy of the work what people are having to go through that no other business has to. I mean, running a business and being an entrepreneur outside of cannabis is a challenge in itself, but it takes a very special, passionate person to be able to do it on a a small to mid scale, quite honestly, because when we get into the bigger stuff, that's bigger money and it's a whole different ballpark. But, you know, I I just remember even like when we were looking at like the Berkeley permits and everything and just just like watching Sue go in front of, you know, the commission and just being like, you gotta, they have to give it to you. Yeah. They have to. And then, you know, even when you know you have that permit, like all the things that you have to go through to have to actually open your doors. And it was just just to see her persevere and, and get it done. And even after, you know, when the businesses were starting to get hit after all the Mm -hmm. stuff that was going on the other summer, which was unfortunate. And it was like, wow, you know, then a black owned business gets hit, but she still persevered and she got through it. And she's just such a, I mean, I've, to meet her, she's just such a, a lovely, magical person, and you just want her to, like, just kick yeah. ass. And she did, and she will always rise from the ashes. She I mean, I spent, a lot of, I spent a lot of years getting to know Sue and her family and what they went through, and they just never stopped pressing ahead. You know, there was challenge after challenge after challenge, and Sue is such a bright light in my life. She's so inspiring. She is the definition of resilience and courage um, and just, you know, a true light. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. classy yeah. as hell to boot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speak truth, you know, like as a person of color, like it's very difficult to be navigating the cannabis industry as a business owner. And, um, and that needs to be 
reminded to people that it's not the same, you know, for, you know, um, white male or women uh, business owners compared to people of color. Like, it's definitely um, trickier to navigate, and there's just so much, um, you know, challenges that they have. Um, so so she is just a hero to me that her and her family have have, have, have succeeded, yeah. you know, um, not so much away in the film, but, like, I was so thrilled uh, to have, um, you know, the Taylors have their cannabis dispensary open at the end and, um, in a way, like, be a happy ending to the, to a very difficult story. Um, and despite the, uh, the looting and um, the destruction that happened during the justified uh, George Floyd protest, yep. not from the protest, but from the, 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 the organizations that targeted dispensaries, that took advantage of the protests, um, you know, she, she has risen up and she has uh, the community rallied together. They, they, they really rallied around the, the pharmacy in that neighborhood. And she told me they even sent in their stimulus checks because they had been watching this family try to open their dispensary for so long. And, yeah. and there's a lot of support. I, I'm really, I'm really happy to, to say that, that, that she's doing really well and, the, the dispensary is doing really well and people should continue to support their business because, you know, their heart and soul is really in it. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. And you're right. It's the sad thing with that, that summer with so many, there were so many, there were so many black owned businesses that got hit and people don't understand that, you know, the protests were absolutely essential and what was happening with these businesses had nothing to do with those protests. Those were people taking advantage of a situation and um she is she's just such an inspiration her whole family just everything that they did i remember you know uh, back in the day like one of the first supernova women gatherings and and they were there and, and getting to hear them talk about what their visions were and just they made it happen and that's she should she should do a master class on cannabis business and cannabis perseverance it's just you know, I know so many people would sit at her feet and just like listen to what she had to go through and just, you know, seeing her have to deal with the city and the permit stuff. I mean, it, it's unbelievable what people have to go through. Yeah. And she persevered. And, you know, even more interesting about Sue Taylor is that she, you know, came from being a Catholic school principal yeah, <laughs> and came from being informed by you know, religious doctrines and, you know, people that thought, you know, cannabis and homosexuality as well, which is wrong, you know. So, 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 you know, it's really interesting how she talks about that in the film and um, how she came to overcome the stigma around cannabis and saw the healing and, and, and turning that, that, you know, understanding of cannabis and acceptance of cannabis into, um, you know, being an advocate for senior citizens and just, you know, if she's, for me, she's a visionary, Yeah. you know, and she's the, is the voice of, of medical cannabis for, for elders. And uh, she's doing so many people a service uh, by educating and, um, and showing that, you know, trying to break the stigma of cannabis. And um, yeah, just that alone, she, she deserves the spotlight to, to because as you and I know, cannabis is a wellness product and be uh, really healing for 
for elders, for seniors, for anybody. And, cool. and, um, and as an elder herself, she's able to speak from the heart and people trust, trust her. So, so I think she's doing a world of good for the, the, the elder population and, in, in, in having them look at cannabis a little bit differently. Yeah, so. I think it's really important for there to be peer education um, because it is more relatable. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole different thing to have somebody like, you know, 20, 30 years younger talking to you about it that you don't know. It, I mean, it, it can be okay, but to have somebody who's, you know, an educator who's you know in your peer group who's able to break it down for you and normalize that i always say conversation is normalization um and to have her be able to do that and she's just so well equipped to have those conversations being an educator is just it's so impactful it's like they're just they're not just a business they're a community service yeah no i think you the word you said impactful is very accurate because she she's often talked to me about, um, you know, when an elder goes into a dispensary or talks to a younger person about cannabis, it's hard for them to relate. They really want to trust somebody in their generation that has, you know, maybe come from uh, a place of uh, judgment around cannabis for years mm-hmm. and now is uh, having a more of an open mind about it. Um, so, yeah, there's... There was definitely um, a cannabis hero in my in my, in my eyes. Yeah, heroin. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about Karen because she's I, I that like well first of all I love Karen um, and I just you know watching I think it was really wonderful I I felt for her and it was wonderful how you were able to show every what you have to go through like you can have a space you can you can have everything in order and just, you know, how your entire business and livelihood hangs right. on the line, especially like f- for like all these weird little things that city ordinances have. And they're even more stringent about it around cannabis, even where she was. Mm-hmm. Well, if there was one person in the film I thought was going to come out shining, it was, I thought it was going to be Karen. And, and, you know, Karen, and again, not to give too much away about the film, Karen is one another cannabis hero. She's very, she's resilient. She, she's courageous. She was so optimistic. Um, she was, she's an impeccable business person coming from being a restaurateur in New York City. I mean, which is probably one of the hardest things to do. Right. Uh, and then being, right, right. And then being, you know, transplanted into uh, Humboldt. Um, following her high school sweetheart uh, to Humboldt and, and being in the cannabis world. So, you know, Karen went for all of the permits and all of the licenses. She was a businesswoman that was smart, and she she applied for everything, trying to figure out, you know, like w- like rolling the dice, what was going to stick, you know, like what could she really succeed in. And, um, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, the film just really shows the twists and turns and the difficulties that um, she was up against, not only um, from deep-pocketed, you know, companies that, you know, could have a burn rate that could outlast, you know, a small business like Karen, um, but also I think there was, you know, it's it's a succeeding in a culture, be it 
Humboldt or Mendocino, there's a little bit of a holdover of um, a, a pro- prohibitionist mentality. And I think that, you know, people who are trying to make it as cultivators in those regions are, are having a difficult time. And, you know, I mean, it, who knows? I just think there was a lot of things that she was up against that um, were very difficult. But she, she kept she kept going. She, she persisted. She's still out there persisting. And, um, uh, you know, it was it was really great uh, to to be able to tell her story. She's very generous and in inviting me into her home and her and her life in Humboldt. And, um, you know, looks like someone that was just picked out of, you know, Madison Avenue. Right. Like and now she's in Humboldt. kind of like a fish out of water. And for me as a storyteller, I was like, this is very interesting. To me. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I thought it would be a a really interesting. I tried to pick women in the film that really were very interesting and you could relate to in some way, you know. Yeah. And I think you you did really well with covering a broad spectrum of women. And it is it is hard because it's like. I want to talk so much more about document documentary, but I don't want to give too much away, so that you know, because everybody, you should actually you should actually watch it. <laughs> it's it's really it's really something. There's much more. There are much more subtleties than we're bringing up because there's, you know, I, we don't want to we don't want to give you the cliff notes on it. We want you to watch it. It's really something <laughs> to check out. It's. Just talking about it doesn't even give you the full picture of what watching the movie will for just everything that people go through, where they're coming from, where they're going, and just really like giving you an idea of what we need to do to change the way we're doing business, not only in California with cannabis, but nationally, because we're... We're we're not only in the future. We're not only going to be having to deal with a lot of the complications of state policy, but once we start throwing federal policy in that too, we do run a really large risk of just basically having people go back into the traditional market, which is what we're trying not to do. And it's it's interesting because it's like back back in the task force days, you know, we always had people from the the industry, the movement, and then also people from the public and the city family that are sitting on the task force because it's, you know, it's a community effort. And one of the things that the SFPD seat had mentioned was, you know, our job is to uphold the laws, make better laws for us to uphold. Well, mm. you know, we're going to we're going to have a a lot of we're going to have to push to have better laws for them to uphold because with the complications that the federal government will be throwing in, we'll be seeing a lot more people getting in trouble instead of being free to do business. Well, it's really interesting because, you know, I've been just reading headlines lately about how, uh, you know, the law enforcement agencies are just watching, you know, these dispensaries get looted and, you know, and, and I think that uh, again, like legalization sweeping the country we're at a point where we're, we should be descheduling cannabis um, at the federal level we're going to see this happen and if california is a snapshot of of what could happen 
you know, there needs to be a a, a change in the way um, law enforcement um, in, interacts with the cannabis industry. You know, like I, I, I alluded to earlier, there's this prohibitionist like mentality that the people that operated in the space before were, you know, looked at as criminals and now they're going to protect them. So it's like we really need to educate and have um, conversations that bridge the gap between um, people in this amazing industry and um, the law enforcement um, organizations that need to protect this this business that is funneling millions of dollars, if not billions of tax dollars, back into the economy, and they need to be protected. So it's it's it continues to fascinate me, like how how this is unfolding. And it's just a little bit like a, a little bit in my film where we saw that discrimination moment against the cannabis farmers, you know, like that's happening and that's the reality. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to think about that because in that area, you know, there's the bias against the farmers, but it's been a traditionally economically depressed area since logging and fishing mm-hmm. have not been there. And so that whether they want to realize it or not, the cannabis industry has been propping up that area for a very, very long time. Yeah, and I'm also hoping that that comes through in the film as well. Like before, you know, when the fishing industry, you know, went away, the logging industry, then the cannabis industry came up there during the Baptist Landers movement, late 60s, early 70s, and cannabis really carried those regions because, you know, before legalization, there was probably 10,000 farms in each of the Emerald Triangle counties that were funneling the money back into their communities. And now it's like people, as you know, have walked away from their farms. It's the same thing that happened in the dairy industry and other agricultural industries. So, you know, um, it's just something that people don't really know about. But how can we change that? I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's, 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 I, I hope the film, I hope the film inspires people to think about that more. You know, I think cannabis is a unique industry. It's it's the backdrop of the film. It makes the film, you know, I think very in, intriguing. But I think the larger message is that, you know, capitalism uh, the, that's happening in our country, the corporate capitalism that's just, you know, the big box, companies that are just wiping out all of these smaller businesses. I think we really need to look at that. And I think that ultimately it's potentially threatening our democracy and and our country's livelihood. And, you know, I just hope that people really kind of sit back and and think about this a little bit. Yeah. Support support their local businesses as much as possible. That's it. That's it. I, I just, I think that, you know, the first step is, is, is what we're doing. We're talking about it. You're, you're putting out, you know, important media for people to look at and and really understand that, you know, it puts a human face to what's going on. And, and I think it's really interesting that cannabis has become in the forefront mm. of our nation in the world at a time where we're going yeah. through incredible shift. I mean, at the, at the risk of sounding woo-woo, CJ... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we are we're 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 changing the way the lens through which we look at the world when we look at, you know, capitalism, hell, colonialism, you know, deconstructing methods or systems, I should say, 
and methods of oppression and what mm-hmm. we what we need to do like how i mean we had this i used to say that cannabis provided us this unique opportunity to change the way we do business in the world especially when we were more female dominated that we could have you know totally yeah totally. We, we can be prosperous and and help the world around us and yeah. you know and it, it, i yeah what are you going to say i just yeah, interrupt you <laughs> No, 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 I'm completely with you. If there ever was an industry that could kind of change the paradigm, it would be the cannabis industry. Because here we are, the symbol of counterculture mentality, of, of you know, li- liberal thinking, of giving back to the environment, um, or, or protecting the environment, giving back to their communities. Cannabis is that symbol of, like, thinking differently in, in the counterculture sort of, you know, cult- culture. So I, I feel like yeah, we could do this differently with cannabis, especially across the country. This could be the the industry that sort of shifts, um, you know, the structure of, uh, of of setting up businesses and, and of really looking at um, um, ca- capitalism a little bit differently, like you know, more compassionately. I know that's not the right word, but it's um, that's consciously. Yeah. Consciously. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is there is enough to go around. It's just, you know, whether we even like when we look at like overtaxation in states, the one thing that I always want to say when we're in policy meetings is, hey, if you tax less, people will purchase more and you end up in the end getting what you want and also being able to create sustainability for these companies and I don't understand why when you get to a certain level of policy that like all the common sense around basic economics gets thrown out the door. Right. Right. Exactly. But agreed. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like, you know, for people who are out there listening, it's like, watch this documentary, really understand what's going on. Part of what we're looking at here with policy and policy that isn't serving when you we're not serving small companies, we're not serving the people because large corporations are not people. And we really need to educate ourselves about what's going on, because even if you're not interested in using cannabis, purchasing cannabis, working in cannabis, what the changes that we make in this industry with the way we look at business in the world will change the way we look at all businesses eventually, just like the tech sector changed the way we do business and we look at the world, this will change hearts and minds too. And so better policy is driven by a better informed public because remember, their jobs depend on our votes and we need to get out there and say, I work, I pay taxes, I'm a more than functioning member of society and a vote. Mm. Um, Amen. Amen. And support female and queer cannabis and small businesses. <laughs> <laughs> and BIPOC cannabis. Everybody who's here yeah. that's, you know, working hard with their hearts and souls, creating beautiful products and prosperity for their communities, we have to support. Absolutely. That is the message of the film. Support your local businesses, your community. Know where your cannabis is coming from. Yeah. And, um, I just want to thank you for putting all that work into it and and connecting the world with all these wonderful women. Well, 
it's been it's been a pleasure and it's been a privilege to uh, be able to tell these stories. So um, I appreciate all the kind words and for giving me um, some time to talk about the film today. It's oh. been really great to talk to you. Absolutely. I hope I gave you enough time to talk and I hope I didn't give away too much. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, no, this was great. This was awesome. This was awesome. I just really encourage people to to find the film, watch the film. We're currently um, streaming and in theaters right now. And for people who want to follow you on social media or websites to be able to uh, see the dates of the shows or reach out or just keep in touch, how would they do that? Great question. So they can go to ladybugsmovie.com, and on, on the website we have a list of where our screenings are. Um, we've been doing a robust festival tour in the last couple of months, and we're in the middle of a theatrical release currently. Um, and we're also at the same time available on demand. You can watch the film on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Microsoft, Vudu, Vimeo, and YouTube. And, um, yeah, please stay in touch uh, on Instagram. We're at uh, lady.buds, and we're on Facebook at ladybuds. And we have a, we have a wonderful community um, that's been supportive of the film and, and very interactive online. And uh, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to see the film and spread the word. It's, a, it's an independent film that was, you know, done... Um, very low budget, uh, a lot of sweat equity, a lot of love from the community. So um, any support we can get from the community, please, please watch the film. We, we'd love to and we'd love to hear what you think. Thank you so much. The love totally shows everybody. Check out Ladybuds. And also remember, Planted is available on Amazon, Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, Tune in everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And of course, on our home network, Radio Misfits Network out of Chicago. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. It's Planted with Sarah, Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook. And also our website is www.plantedwithsarah.com. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. CJ, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast. Everybody, it's, you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, so it's a crazy world out there. Be kind to one another. Stay safe. And until next time, stay curious. Take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>